turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, and thanks for joining DeLorean Talk. This is episode number eight. My name is Dave Tavers. And in this episode, we are joined by Kevin Crin from Newark, Ohio. Hey, thanks for joining. Uh, I, I actually met you at the DeLorean Weekend Las Vegas 2016 just, a, what, two months ago, October? Yeah. Uh, ended up just chatting with you uh, at one of the lunch events and didn't actually know that you were the one or you were one of the people that are working on the digital dashboard projects for the DeLorean. And luckily, DeLorean Weekend was so fun and it was so easy to just visit and talk to people. I got a chance to, to catch up with you and I, I think what you're doing is awesome, and I even recently just saw in the last week or two some of the updated graphics you've been working on, and I wanted to talk with you and get your thoughts and opinions about DeLoreans and your story and talk to you about your dashboard and anything else that you wanted to talk about. Okay. Well, that sounds like fun. I, I did have a lot of fun at DeLorean weekend. I'm definitely going to go back there next year. Was that your first one or not? That was my first one. Coming from Ohio, and you did not drive your car, neither. Oh, I did drive my car, yeah. But uh, a few yeah. other people that came from much further away didn't drive their cars either, which I'm sure it's part of it is a bummer, but at the same time, uh, I get it. I'm a new owner, so driving from L.A. to Vegas was the longest I've ever taken it on, but the car ran fantastic, no issues. Well, other than the issue that, that you figured out, <laughs> I had a, a loose uh, uh, hose clamp on the fuel filler, so whenever I hit the brakes, there was a little bit of smell of, of gas. And I thought that I had noticed it before, but you'd ridden in my car when we went on a drive. Maybe having two people in the car as opposed to just one was enough to cause the, the sloshing that made it more uh, more evident. And sure enough, when I came back, I took it over to DeLorean, California, and that's what it was, loose hose clamp. So you nailed it immediately. Well, that was based on past experience with another owner that I um – I was riding in his car, and we had just put the fuel um, pump back in, and the clamps weren't all the way, and he was filling up his tank at the gas station, and it didn't stop. It just started spewing out the bottom of the car. <laughs> so, the heat, you know, I learned that firsthand, so I know to look out for that now. That's amazing because that happened to me when I came back home. Oh, did it? <laughs> uh, like, I knew that that smell had happened before. But I had never, even when I tried topping off the tank all the way, I had never had that happen where the fuel came out of the bottom. But I swear, the first fill-up after I came back from Vegas, I filled it up. I did not top it off. I went inside to get the receipt for the mileage and such, and I came back out, and I saw there was something, liquid, all over underneath the car. And I thought, was that there when I drove up? But sure enough, I, I just looked a little bit closer, and there is liquid dripping from the bottom of the car. And I come over, sure enough, it was, it was fuel. And I thought, no way. I've never had that happen. But then all of a sudden, maybe it was a long drive that rattled it loose just enough, but uh, that freaked me out. So I gave it a couple minutes to kind of uh, stop its dripping. I pushed the car off of the fuel spill and sat for about five minutes just to let whatever – uh, whatever fumes dissipate, whatever, you know, whatever gases might happen, uh, it's at the front of the car as opposed to the back. Uh, I had the fire extinguisher in hand, and I started it up, and no problem. So I uh, drove it back home, and immediately the next day uh, called uh, called up Danny at the shop and said, hey, I think it's a loose hose clamp. <laughs> He's like, okay, come <laughs> on in. 
So uh, when I by the time I got it to him, it was more than half a tank down. They fixed it, took it over, and filled it up, and uh, haven't noticed it since. Well, that's good. I, I guess uh, good or bad. If that had happened, and I and you had not pointed that issue out, I might have been freaking out. <laughs> but but at least I knew it was literally just the you know overflowing and coming out of the out of that fuel filler. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Delorean weekend was was a lot of fun and. I had wanted to do some kind of interviews there and talk to people, but I had never been before. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how lax or, or structured it was going to be, and it was just fantastic. It was so fun. Yeah, it was. It's it's like this big family, and I, I run into that being new in the community. That it's just everyone's so nice and laid back, and it's not really serious. It's just hang out and have a good time. That was a great lunch, the the brunch, the barbecue, the tech talks, the dinner, yeah, all of it. Yeah. We actually went out after, um, I guess it would have been after we had the um, that brunch that day. We went, later we went out to um, me and uh, Mike Conrad, is, I believe his fiance, and Brian Brandes and the, the guy who's doing the cinematography, the camera. We all piled in the car. And we went out around Vegas. We went to the Stratosphere and had appetizers. And then we went to a pinball machine place. Pinball Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah, we played that. Um, went to this place made of containers. It was all closed, but we kind of just walked around. So, uh, so we just kind of went around town, us young kids, <laughs> who are like 35. Right. <laughs> Went around and and then they dropped me off at the airport and I left like my plane left at like midnight. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. You had a little snafu with your ticket, but you got that figured out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, me not paying attention to uh, departure times, buying <laughs> it for the, the previous night. So could have been a worse place to get stuck for an extra day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long have you had your DeLorean? Well, technically, it's not mine yet. I've I have uh paid on it uh it's just a matter of uh transferring the titles and all that stuff so actually not for very long it was about 2 years ago July 4th I had joined the DeLorean Club of Ohio just because I wanted knew that I was going to get a car eventually and I wanted to kind of get in with the community so um we have a little email list that goes back and forth, goes out to all members, an email, like one of those old-fashioned email trees. Yep. And um, I sent out a request saying, you know, I, I wanted to get involved with the community. I know there was a bunch of parades going on for the July 4th, so I said, does anybody have an extra seat to ride along with in one of the parades? Because there's usually somebody has an extra seat. Yeah. So a gentleman by the name of Ken Konslick, a lot of people know who he is, um, sent me a message. He's uh, he's the one that organized several of the DeLorean convention and shows over the past, what, 15 years? Yeah, yeah, Something he's like done it ever since. This is his first year not doing it. So he's passed the torch along. So he said, sure, you can ride in my car. So I went down, rode with him in his car, and we went to, there's, he has a little party at his place afterwards. So he said, you know, I, I build DeLoreans in my shop, you know, just put them together, restore them, just kind of as a hobby, not as a business. I've got one that, that I'm building right now. It should be right in the springtime. So we went over to the shop and looked, and it was an automatic. 
I said, I really don't want an automatic. I want a, <laughs> I want a manual. He said, well, we've got this other one that it's been sitting here for 13 years that was going to be restored and just never got around to it. So maybe we can go and start doing that. So, so I said, sure, that sounds great. And starting that October, we started doing the restoration, complete frame up restoration. We started with an empty frame and just started building from there. Nice. He lives in Cincinnati. I live in uh, central Ohio. So I would drive almost every week. I drive down on Thursday after work, drive two hours to Cincinnati and get to work on the car, help out, and then drive back two hours and go to work the next day. Wow. That's awesome commitment, man. Well, yeah, it is, but I, I learned a lot of seeing where the parts go, how yeah. they go in, seeing where all the pipes are, where all the wires route through and everything as the car went together. So that way I can kind of know how to diagnose things in the future. Right. So frame up, Did you when, when it was time to put the tub on, was it a bare tub or was it... Was it already wired for the most part? It had the harness in it and a windshield and the back window, but that was about it. Okay. It was pretty much uh, nothing on it. With your digital dash stuff, that's all electrical or almost all electrical. And it seems like that's one of the things that is kind of the hardest. Looking at the wiring in that, the wiring panel behind the passenger seat, man, there's a lot going on in there. Yeah. Right now the car is is, is running and I put the uh, stock dash back in one of the last times I was down there because I wanted to make sure everything worked properly before I started hacking, um, <laughs> hacking up the wires. I, I want to keep most of the wire. I want to make this as reversible as possible so I don't really want to cut any wires. Yeah. Um, you saw at the uh, DeLorean weekend where um, Mike Conrad was talking about 3D printing parts to – serve as connectors so he didn't have to cut the dash wiring. Well, I want to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing piece. So two years you've been working on this car and paying it off and restoring it, uh, helping to restore it. How did you get interested in DeLoreans? I know you said that you had joined the local club and wanted to learn more about it, but how long ago did you decide that you wanted to get a DeLorean and why? Well, um, I've always, ever since I was a kid, uh, Back to the Future, of course. Right. I probably wore my Back to the Future tape out uh, watching it. <laughs> I, I love the movie a lot. And as I got older, I kind of started to look into the car, but didn't really do anything with it until somewhere around 2000. I started uh, lurking around the uh, DMC talk forums, even back in the old days when it was... I forget what it was. It was it was actually a Dorian website with a forum attached, but now it's pretty much just a forum now. Yeah. So I joined that and I kind of lurked around, and I do have a, a, another story to go with that. Is um, I lived in Virginia at one point in time, uh, about 2004, and um, right after I moved, we were driving around town. I was married at the time, um, and there was a Delorean sitting in a lot. And it was this old guy that ran this used tire place, this crotchety old man. <laughs> I went there and looked at it. This was 2004, and I asked how much he wanted for it. He wanted $5,000. Oh. So I looked at the car, 
It had a BAE turbo kit installed on it. Huh. Uh, which was kind of rare, not totally rare, but it was in pretty bad shape. Not perfect, but the guy let me do payment plan on it. And um, so I started paying it and then kind of fell into some financial troubles. And I was able to keep up the payments. He really didn't want to work with me. And one time I was driving by and they were loading the thing up on the back of a flatbed. And I stopped in and he said, well, somebody somebody offered me cash and I sold it. Since you weren't making payments, I took it. He took oh, wow. 3500 bucks for it. Ah. And took the money I paid for it, and that was that. <laughs> Do you remember the name of that place? <laughs> oh, that, that place closed down a long time ago. Uh, for good. <laughs> well, the guy said that you know there was nothing I could do because I reneged on my part of the contract by not paying him the monthly. So well, it's not he like said you, I could. Not like you had the car. Uh, he should have given you your money back. He should have, but you know, life lessons. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it would have taken a lot of money to get that restored. And, and with how things happen after that, I may not have been able to keep it or have been able to afford to keep it. So right. it, it works out. Everything works out for the best anyway. So yeah. after that, I just kind of obsessed about the cars, went to car shows, you know, stopped in places and saw them and uh, did some graphics stuff just personally and and just kind of – Hoped that I could get one someday, and uh, about three years ago, I got divorced. I moved back to Ohio, and um, I have a decent job, and I don't have anything, no kids, so I was able to save up the money and and get the car without really having to struggle to scrimp that much. Yeah. yeah. Were you a car guy before the DeLorean? Oh, I've always been a car guy. Top Gear is always my favorite show, the, the British one. Yeah. Um, so I've always liked cars, and I've just loved the DeLorean. I've loved the story, the style, the way it looks. You know, it's, it's always been something I wanted. Had you ever done a restoration on some other car before? No, never. And, and to to be honest, Ken's doing most of the hard work. He knows what he's doing. Sure. He tells me what to do. And I'll do it. And I don't. I'm, I'm mechanically inclined. I've done a head gasket change on a car, but DeLoreans are are picky cars and quirky <laughs> cars, and he knows a lot of the tricks and stuff. So right. I just let him. He's the expert. I'll just. A lot of times I was just observing him doing it, and you know, learning from it, and it helped you along because I learned about the the fuel yeah, pump. Exactly. Exactly. I'm definitely a fan of helping or watching somebody else do things because you can you can pick up something. I know whenever I have stuff done at the DMC California shop, I really want to go in there and watch. And it's not that I want to interrupt them. It's not that I want to challenge them or question them. I want to be able to see what they're doing so that, just like you, when you know a, a hose clamp comes loose, I can figure out what's happening. Yeah. And the other advantage to being down there at work is he... He does a lot of work on a lot of the other Ohio cars. People will bring his cars down there, and he'll look at them. So there's a lot of cars in Ohio too. Yeah, our our club used to be really big. It's kind of died off, but there's a lot in Ohio. I think that might have something to do with consolidating limited where all the stock was in Columbus for a while. I think 
I think a lot of them ended up from there. You think that's why that is? The story I heard, and, and correct me from what you've heard, is that when DMC shut down, was shut down in Ireland, Consolidated bought all the remaining stock and shipped it from Ireland to Columbus, Ohio, and just had it stored there doing nothing with it. Is that correct? There was no parts counter. There was It just sat there for 20-something years. That is correct. Uh, Consolidated Limited, um, I don't know if you guys have big lot stores out there. Yeah, we do. That's who owns big lots. It's consolidated. <laughs> out. Wow. So, and they're based in Columbus, Ohio. And I've heard stories about when they u- they didn't used to have a parts counter, but you could go there and get parts. And the guy that ran it, uh, the warehouse, would just say, just go back and grab it. And somebody wanted a seat cover. Huh. And they came back with a whole seat, brand new, new stock seat, and said, here, $25. No. Yep. Wow. So it used to be a great place to have a DeLorean was Ohio because yeah. you could just run over to Columbus and grab a part for next to nothing. Wow. You know, it's uh, it would be great if you could uh, talk to one of your uh, Ohio DeLorean Club uh, leaders and hook us up because I'd love to hear from one of the old guys that have been around for a long time and actually went to that went to that warehouse. That'd be a great interview. I might be able to find somebody. Uh, there's there's some some owners that have had their cars, their first owner cars here, nice um, in Ohio. Oh, that's crazy! I did not realize that that's, or if it's true, and it does make sense if that's the reason why there's so many DeLoreans in Ohio because of that warehouse. That's crazy. I would say that might have a little bit to do with it, but <laughs> I mean the weather's decent, and you know. I think that might have something to do with it. But the fact that there were so many in this area at one time and they were selling them off, yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of people took advantage of that at the time. Nice. So even though you are not driving the car yet because it's not ready, uh, do you know the VIN off the top of your head? It's 909. Not your 909. Awesome. Wow, three-digit VIN. Very cool. Yeah. It's it's a very early build, even though there's not a whole lot of the car original car left. So we've changed <laughs> yeah. so many parts, but it's still VIN nine oh nine, so it had been on that first shipment out. Oh, that's crazy. Have you tracked down much history on that vehicle other than it came in the first shipment? Um I know that um Ken and another guy who's who's there in, in Cincinnati bought the car. I guess it was in a in a garage or a container, and somebody had started a restoration on it. It had been painted red at one time. And uh, I've seen some pictures of when it came into the shop, like 1993 or something. Um, it had been in an accident. Um, uh, the passenger door was crushed, and that's one of the reasons where we're having some problems with the passenger door getting it to line up right. Because yeah. we've, we've got a different door on there. Yeah. And and the front was crunched. Um and uh, Ken actually um, took that hood and straightened it, and um, you can't even tell. Wow! It was in, it was all bent up. So he did a really good job of, uh, of refurbishing that panel. Nice. Wow. So yeah, that really is a restoration. That that basically was a dead car with that much damage. Oh yeah, it, it looked pretty bad in the pictures that I've seen of it. Um, okay. And like I said, it had been sitting for thirteen years. I know that. Uh, the engine that's in my car was was done as a demonstration at one of the DeLorean shows as a rebuild demonstration. 
So it had been, it's not the original engine, it's a different one. Um, they had taken an engine apart and reassembled it at the show as a demonstration. So that's the engine that's in my car. Oh, that would have been fun to watch. Oh yeah, it would have been a really neat. I wish I could find some pictures of that. I'm so happy that there's so many more mobile phone cameras and that people use them like crazy because in the next 5, 10, 15 years, whether it's DeLorean or any subject in the world out there, there's going to be so much more video and picture uh, history for people to go back and look at versus all the history of DeLorean, you know, for the first 30 years, it's kind of, sometimes it's hard to come by or it's hard to come by factual information. There's a lot of opinion. There's a lot of memories, but everybody's memories tend to be different. And having photo photos and digital content and uh, information, it's going to be pretty exciting for the next generation of owners after you and I. Yeah, I'd love to see more pictures of what went on in the factory. And there's just so many, so little amount of video and pictures of what happened in there. Yeah. It's just a shame that it wasn't documented as much. Yeah. Well, and you were at DCS this year, this year. And yes. hearing some of the people talk that worked at the factory was so awesome. The guys that did the, uh, endurance drives, is that what they were called? The, were they, yeah. Drove, was that three weeks or something straight that they drove them? I can't remember. I don't think I, I ended up spending most of DCS up in the, with the car. Oh, um, that's right. My stuff. I didn't end up seeing any of the talks. Oh, man. I, I, three weeks doesn't sound right. Maybe it was three days where they drove, uh, that seems more right. <laughs> four, maybe four cars nonstop or 72 hours. They had, Several different groups of, of people that would drive it along a preset route, different preset routes and make notes of every little detail. If a button popped off or if there was a, a rattle or anything at all, they would, when they stopped for fuel, they would put all their notes in and all the mileage and inf- information. And so one of the guys that was one of the drivers for that, uh, gave a talk and it was just fantastic. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you missed out on that stuff, but uh, every, hey, a lot of people talked about your car. And I stopped by there even and heard you talk a little bit and was just kind of stuck my head in and, and said, that's incredible. I remember you had said that you had just got everything put back together like a day or two before the show. Uh, you still had a ways to go. But I am dying to see uh, more updates on, on that car. And do you have a website with photos, videos, anything like that? No, just the DMC. I, I've been meaning to do around. I've got a DMC talk forum thread where i kind of post everything but i probably should put together some kind of website (laughs) no hey the dmc talk is for me that's like a a major place when my number seven fuse melted in the block uh and i you know at four four a.m i was getting ready to go to a car show immediately came in and pulled up dmc talk and found oh look tons of people have had this problem the same problem it's a great resource oh fantastic and it's not that other people. It's not that DMC or that other people are not good resources. It's just it, it help. It's it's like reviews on Amazon or or Yelp. It's one thing if one person says, "Oh, that's a terrible product or a terrible restaurant or a terrible whatever," but if seven people say it, eh, there's a better chance that that's true. Uh, you know, with DMC talk, there's all kinds of opinions, and people will debate and argue, uh, and you get a chance to have that discussion without being there in real time. So. I love having that forum there. I'm, I'm, I think they could do a little, <laughs> do do a little bit of updating to make it work a little better and look a little better. But it's pretty awesome to have all that all that data and all that content there. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I check it at least once a day just to see if there's anything new. Awesome. I'm guessing that you have many hobbies. Are you actively working on the, the D- Digital Dash project every day, once a week, once a month? Well, um, not lately. This is uh, I drive a truck, and this is a kind of our peak season uh, coming into uh, these months. So I've been working a lot of hours, and I've had a lot of chance to to work on it. And with any project, you kind of it kind of comes and goes. You kind of get inspired, and sometimes you just don't want to deal with it at all. So after the show, I worked on it a little bit, and then just kind of got unmotivated for a while. Yeah. And um, I've I've started back up working on it again. Good. The thing about it is the the car is still in Cincinnati. I don't have access to it, yeah. so it makes it hard. It should be up here for the winter as soon as some complications get worked out about getting it here. I think winter already started. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 snowing out there right now, but <laughs> there's something blocking the um, the vehicle in the shop and until. That gets taken care of. We can't get it out. Trapped in there so, for now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of trapped. So, and trying to work around Ken's because schedule is kind of hard. So well, I've got a garage. Sure. Yeah. Everything's got to align just right. The distance, his his schedule, your schedule. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got a garage. I live in an apartment, so I've got a garage I'm renting from a friend. I'm going to store it there for the winter, and I can just drive over there and 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 work on it and. And get everything done, and then the spring when when I'm done with it, I'll go back to Cincinnati and get the final treatment because there's still some stuff that isn't finished. Oh yeah, on it. I'm sure. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, hopefully having it nearby will make a difference. I, I know when I first bought my car, I was in an apartment that did not have covered parking or a garage, and my car was in a parked in a garage with a car cover for 27 years. So I didn't want to park it outside. And even though I'm in California, I just said, no, I'm going to try to take good care of it. So I, I found a garage that was, I don't know, seven miles away and rented that spot, parked it over there, kept it covered. It's It sucked having to drive over there every time I wanted to just look at something. I'm like, oh, how, you know, how does the, exactly how much space is there around the radio or, or what's the stitching look like on the dash? If I didn't already have pictures of that, I'd have to drive over there, get a bunch of pictures, uncover the car, get a bunch of pictures, and it's in a garage, didn't have great lighting, so it's kind of a pain. And once I once I decided to move, uh, I moved clo- back to Orange County. Um, I looked for a place that had a garage, and now I've got good lighting in there, and it's not as much space as I'd like. I can't I can't walk all the way around the car in the garage, but at least it is. 50 feet away from my front door. So anytime I want to go look at it or work on something or tweak something, I can walk out and work on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. You know, next year when when spring comes along, I'm still not going to have access to a garage, so I'm going to end up putting in a storage unit that's not far that I can just store it there and then uh, have to move. You know, that's one of the big uh, things I want to do about moving is, is getting a place with a garage, so... Yeah, that's that's a big thing. So, I, I definitely want to. I'm hoping to have that something working down the line. But right now, it's it's all been about uh, cheap rent and making sure <laughs> I've got <laughs> the yep. money to pay for the car first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Several friends who uh, 
who've known I wanted a DeLorean for most of my life have said, wow, it seems like the cars kind of changed your life. You're out doing these parades and car shows and talking about all this other stuff and meeting all these other people, and it uh, looks like you're having fun. And I say, it's changed my life as any new hobby would. If I took up clog, you know, clog dancing or square dancing, <laughs> I would probably be doing something similar. But the car is so much fun. People just love it, and it's fun to share it. it is, that's I think that's one of the great things. And you definitely, aside from the car itself, I think you're going to be quite a uh, an attraction when you go to car shows. You might have to set up some kind of a, a webcam that you can kind of put over your shoulder or something. That way, people don't have to crawl into the car to see everything that, that you're <laughs> that you're showing off. Because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. I, I've been around the cars a lot, but you know, I've driven a couple. But come springtime, will be my my first real point of ownership of actually getting to go around and drive it. So you know, I've been waiting for the past two years anxiously, <laughs> or ten, uh, or fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even more so, knowing that I had a car waiting for me, it's been hard, and I have been bugging Ken a lot. And uh, this car probably wouldn't have got done as fast as it did if I didn't call him up and bother him all the time <laughs> about getting the car done. And he said to me, he said he wasn't planning on having this car done this year, and because I bothered him so much, he got two cars finished. <laughs> oh wow, nice! Because he got the automatic one finished. Nice. Uh, it's it's not completely finished, but it, it's. Both cars are, are in the home stretch. That's awesome. Yeah, anytime anytime you're doing any kind of production type work, if you can do you go put on a put in a fuel pump in one car, it's pretty easy to do it to a second right then because you've got parts, you know exactly what, what worked and what didn't and you can just get it done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you at your local club, are you still active? Have you been talking to guys there? Have they have they all been just as interested in the digital dash? as we were at DCS and, and DeLorean Weekend? Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a lot of them on Facebook, so they see what I post. And um, every January we have an annual meeting, and I had a um, very early prototype kind of set up running a demo at the meeting. I got a lot of people checking it out. Nice. It was just pretty much a binnacle sitting on a, on a table running a video of the Dash stuff running it. So, Did I see correctly Did you just release or post some new graphics that you've done? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying to get some of the the integration started. Uh, the last time I went down to uh, Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, I uploaded some new software that I wrote and um, was able to, to, to toggle the lights on and off, and it shows up on the screen, kind of like the Tesla. That's kind of what I've based yeah. it off of. Yeah. Still some bugs. It's not working properly with the... Um, uh, when I press the screen, it it doesn't really work quite yet, but I can't really just sit there and recode it on the fly down there as much. So that's that's something. It'll be a lot easier once up here that I can just start. <laughs> I can just start coding and, and and troubleshooting as I go. So yeah, yeah. but it does work for the most part. <laughs> I'm in the software industry for 20 plus years. And I've been around lots of guys that, as as developers, they worked on on analog to digital or digital analog hobbies. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing right here is you're doing a digital to analog hobby, basically. 
Um, do you? I know that you are not a software programmer. You learned everything that you needed just for this project. Have you connected with other developers or software people on the internet asking for help? Has anybody taken an interest to help you along or do any coding? Or do you just not want that? Do you want to do it all yourself and uh, and move forward? Well, um, I've had some interest, mostly people who want to buy the system. And, I, like, it's not ready yet. It's not even half ready yet, but... I have uh, met a couple people. I met somebody at DCS that is an electrical engineer, and we talked about taillight modifications and things like that. But the problem with asking for help and relying on somebody is you may get your answer, but you don't learn as much as you do if you figure it out for yourself. Sure. So if I come up to a problem, I just have to figure it out myself. Basically, I just go to YouTube videos and... And websites and forums and, and try to figure out things that I can adapt for my needs. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm the same way. I like to do it myself to learn it better. I could use help learning to streamline because since I'm kind of learning as I'm going, I'm sure my code is not as elegant as it could be. Sure. Uh, I'm sure it's very clunky and there's like, why did you do this? You're using five steps when you could use one step. Right, right. But hey, that's the way it works uh, for anybody that's learning a new hobby. And that's why I am so sincerely impressed that you have learned all this on your own for this project as opposed to, oh, I took a couple of classes in college and always was interested in it and I just kind of put it down. But you were not into software development at all before you started working on this, right? Right. I, I took a C uh, programming course in college and um, and failed it. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I just I couldn't understand it. It just didn't, it didn't sink in, and I started finding these YouTube videos where they actually kind of show you step by step how things are actually going. And it's it's a lot easier for me to learn that way than to throw a book on the table and say, "Here, this is how it works." Right. Are you primarily doing C or C sharp now? It's um it's called processing. It's it's a Java language. Oh, got it. Processing. It's a visual, um, it's a visual design software. It's a free language and it's based on uh, visual design. So there's code that you write if you want to draw a rectangle. Uh, you, you type in the coordinates of the rectangle and what color you want it to be and it draws the rectangle. Got it. And okay. you just start building from there and, and it's, it's not really designed for this kind of thing. But I did find a couple other people who are making dashes using this, and that's kind of what got me started on the route. Awesome. Have you built any, I'll say, testing hardware, being that you don't have the car? Have you figured out some kind of modules that that can emulate uh, brake lights or engine RPMs or things like that? Or are you waiting until you actually have the car to figure out what those inputs look like? Mostly waiting. I'm using Arduinos as my... As my inputs and outputs, that's how I'm communicating with everything. I've been working lately on trying to talk to the Arduinos better through processing, and that's what I was able to do with with the lights. Then my video is is get inputs coming from an external source, whereas nice. before then nothing was coming in. It was all just running on the computer. It was using test values and things, and now yeah. I've got I've got data coming in and rudimentary data going out. So, And that's just stuff I'm going to have to refine as it goes along. 
Very excited. I I would say as big a geek as I am, I don't. I personally would not want to replace the dash in the car because I I like the totally original look of the car. I want to leave the original stereo. I want to leave all that stuff. But as a geek, I cannot help but look at your stuff and say, man, that would be awesome. So uh, great job on that stuff, really. Thanks. I really like the way it looks, too, and that's one of the reasons why I've tried to keep a lot of – I was originally a long time ago. I wanted to, to make a completely new dash, a completely new interior, kind of like Delorean Houston did a long time ago. They made a prototype. Uh, where they made a new dash. I kind of wanted to do that, and over over time, I've changed my mind. And how can I make this work within the constraints of uh, the interior of the car? Yeah. And I, I like the way it came out a lot better. Yeah. Oh, from the pictures that I've seen posted online, looks like it is going to be awesome. And even if your intention is not to turn around and try to resell this. It makes it a lot easier if you do <laughs> sell it to other people <laughs> that they don't have to rip out their dash. They can do some basic modifications and, and get your, your stuff in there. Yeah, I didn't want it. I, I was thinking about I didn't have to make a new binnacle or, or something like that. I can use the stock one, but um, speaking of new technologies, this week I just ordered a 3D printer. I was just going to mention that. I saw I saw your post that you are learning uh, CAD or, or some version of 3D manipulation, and you created that binnacle in 3D. Right, and I don't have any background in that either. I just kind of threw that together. So the, the, the 3D printer is actually going to be here tomorrow, uh, Monday, and um, it's got a, a 12 by 12 by 12 build area, uh, which is pretty big, and um, I may be able to print binnacles. I don't know. Which one did you buy? Um, it's called a Maker Farm Pegasus 12. Nice. It's it's based on a different design, a, uh, the Persia design. It's based on that, but it's supposedly pretty good. It's it'll print ABS, it'll print PLA. Uh, PLA. It'll, it's a new adventure. I don't know a lot about 3D printing. It's something I'm gonna have to learn as I go. <laughs> That's a whole new hobby, I'll tell you. I've I've played with them. For a couple of years, and I a couple of years ago, I decided rather than the 3D printer, I bought a laser cutter. <laughs> so I'd like to have those. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a good choice because the 3D printer back a couple of years ago, they were going through so many changes. Every other every couple of months, it was a new technology, new plastics, new materials, and that freaked me out. But it's been a couple of years; they've settled in pretty nicely now. There's some good machines out there. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time with the laser, loved it. I had definitely have a fondness for the 3D printers and the people that can run them because, boy, uh, you are going to be – that's a massive learning curve. Yeah, and luckily there's a there's a huge community around between YouTube and Reddit and yep. forums. So, you know, I've seen people where they just – they post their benchmark tests and people try to give them suggestions on what's wrong so one of the reasons I bought it was I want to make parts for the car, not just Benicles. Benicle, that's one of the reasons I got a big build area is because I wanted that option. But yeah. to make a bracket to hold a circuit board or yeah. to um, you know, make a bracket to hold a sensor that uh, I can just whip up and print it out and see – uh, and make things so it's not so cobbled together. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of the big reasons. And if I'm going to modify the binnacle, 
to fit my screen, then why not have it printed in one piece? That yep. way it's not – I'm not, not modifying it. You're not carving it out with a knife and then trying to sand something down and – yeah. Right, and I – I really want to do a head heads up display, and I don't want to cut a giant hole in the front of the binnacle. But if I could mold one into it, yeah, then that would be a totally different story. Man, that's awesome. I do plan on I'm selling something down the road. You know, when I was making these binnacles, I got to thinking. You know, I'm going to end up printing out test ones first, and they're not going to be full size. So I thought. Why not print out ones that are like two inches long, just little keychain size ones? Yeah. Put a you know put a dashboard sticker in it so yeah. it looks like the dash is there, and then a little LED and a light pipe. <laughs> so you press a little button, it lights up, and make it a keychain. Awesome. Sell those. Right, right. That might be a way to to get a little extra money. So. Yeah. Yeah. When I first bought my car, I I have way too many websites, but I set up. DMC10515.com is the site for my car. So every time I do a parade or a car show or fix something on the car or whatever, I'll post up a picture and a couple of sentences or an entire page write up of what's going on. Or sometimes I'm just posting a bunch of photos because it's fun to share that history. And whether it's my personal close friends or people that I've met, everybody, people, comment on it a lot or you know they tell me hey man i saw your stuff on on the web page and it's just fun to share a couple months ago i, I tried to t- take some nice pictures of the car and uh, shutterfly had some deal it was like 500 postcards for 25 bucks and i printed a postcard of the car at night at at pointy hills mall and they turned out pretty good and i put the you know the website on there and i hand them out in fact at the when we did the car show at the Plaza Hotel in Vegas, um, I just had them on the windshield, just on the windshield wiper. Tons of people came up and, and took them, and that was what they were for. So kind of fun That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never been good at websites. I mean, I, I made a, the last website I made was using Netscape Navigator Gold. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, a lot of people are not going to know what you're saying right there. <laughs> awesome. Oh boy, what what is your thought about the next generation of owners? Because there are all the first owners out there from the early to mid '80s who bought the cars from the showrooms or bought them, you know, as as the remnants of the dealerships. And then we went for I'm going to say a good twenty plus years before the car kind of came back around and really got popularity again. And now we're on to us, you and me. We're the next generation of, of buyers who are excited and passionate. The clubs have seemed to died out a little bit. Some clubs are going as strong as ever, but a lot more are just not active anymore. Have you talked to other people about that, or have you thought much about that, about the new owners and, and the, the life of the clubs? Yeah, um, I mean, we were running into the same thing with the DeLorean Club of Ohio. Is there is we have a lot of members, but a lot of people just don't go out and do anything anymore. A lot of them are getting to be older, and they don't feel like going to car shows or parades or anymore. They don't want to to get up and do anything. And you know, uh, as they decide that they're done with the car, they're going to newer newer people. And I'm seeing a lot of of these newer people pop up and they're enthusiastic and 
you know, somebody put it really best. I think it was um, somebody that the guy that owns the um, the Back to the Future three car, the one that ran into deserts. The mm-hmm. the one guy that is the only person that owns a screen used DeLorean from Back to the Future said something along the lines of you're you're not just the owner of these cars you're you're the, the temporary steward of it because the car is just going to keep going yeah long after you so you get it for this time <laughs> and then you pass it along to somebody else yeah it's been one year since I bought the car but I didn't pick it up until early January so I'm coming up on my one year anniversary I had showed a friend the car and he immediately said, oh, hey, I got a buddy that lives near you who has a DeLorean. And he tried calling him that day, didn't get a hold of him, and that was it. And that was in May. Well, I saw him this last week, and he said, hey, did you ever talk to my friend Gustav? I said, you, no, you didn't give me his information. So he gave me his phone number. I called him the next day. We talked for 10 or 15 minutes. He's 87 years old. He said that the car is a little bit hard for him to drive. It's a manual and mm-hmm. it's just too much for him to drive in traffic, and he's here in Orange County, California. So he drives it on Sundays about every two weeks to keep it running and keep the battery going, but he doesn't like taking it out much. And he's going to be going to his son's place up in Northern California for the holidays, but in sometime in January uh, I asked if we could both drive someplace and meet up and have coffee or sandwich or something, and I'm hoping to ask him a lot of the same questions and see what what his thoughts are because he's a first owner from 1981 so oh, oh wow yeah well i'm they're not the easiest cars to get in and out of yeah and if you're 87 if you're not out there biking or <laughs> at the gym every other day yeah i could see how it, could, it would get harder yeah definitely i know everybody is going to be excited to hear more about your project as it continues and at some point Hopefully you will get a website set up so the people who aren't members of, of DMC Talk can go up and follow you. And every, every chance I get, I will share things on DeLoreanDirectory.com. When you post them, if I can repost, I'll share them on DeLorean Directory on the Facebook page and, and the website. Sure. And when the day comes that you have a website, I'll share that on there as well. Sure. I really can't wait until uh, DCS 2018 because by then I should have everything done so and I'll actually get to drive my car there wherever it may be wherever it may be yeah from Ohio it's a little bit easier to to get to most places as long as it's not in San Diego or or uh, Washington DC you're probably you'll probably be good yeah I I'd love to drive it out to DeLorean weekend next year but it's just um that's a big commitment yeah, and I have to take a lot of time off work to, to be able to drive cross-country to do something like that. And it's expensive to ship. And Although so, you are a truck driver, so, you know, putting it onto, <laughs> putting it onto one of your other loads. <laughs> uh, I've already been told that we are not allowed to transport cars. I've already asked. <laughs> Worth a try. Yeah. Well, Kevin, again, thanks for your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of your projects and talking to you again in the future. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of DeLorean Talk. Be sure to visit DeLoreanTalk.com, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and most other social media sites, and give us your opinions or questions by emailing comments at DeLoreanTalk.com. It worked! <laughs> it worked! 
I finally have been